as I read our text for tonight, Isaiah 64. I'm going to read verse 1 to 7, even though my main focus tonight will be verse 4. Isaiah 64, 1 to 7. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence." When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. And you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we now come to the preaching of your word, Would you once again speak to your people through the power of the Holy Spirit? Give us humility and a willingness to listen. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us in the Gospel of John, the sheep knows him and hears his voice. So make us tonight those kind of sheep, to hear your voice and obey. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you recognize or identify God's people as people who boast, celebrates, and wait upon the Lord. We are a people of celebration because of what our our God has already done for us. You remember verse 1 to 3. Isaiah, in those verses, showed us how God worked for our salvation. 
how he opened the windows of heaven and came down to help his people to deliver his people. And part of the fulfillment of that prayer, that plea was what the Lord did for his people in Egypt. God's mighty deliverance in Egypt. You remember all those plagues that came upon Egypt because God revealed himself upon that nation to do what? To deliver his people. We see that in Exodus 14 where the angel of death came to Egypt to slay all the firstborn in Egypt. God was there in Egypt. He demonstrated his presence in the deliverance of his people from Pharaoh. The Lord rendering, opening the heavens to send his own son, Jesus Christ, to the world to save sinners. And that was seen when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And God the Father opened the windows of heaven and he said, Behold, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we go back and remember all those things that God has done for us. And how do we respond? What do we do? We celebrate. Every Sunday we come to church, we gather in the church like this, we celebrate. What we do every Sunday is celebration. We celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. We celebrate the gift of God. And God's deliverance of us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday we worship the risen Lord. We, we declare to ourselves and people around us that the God whom we worship is a living God. The Savior whom we worship is a risen Lord. We celebrate. We celebrate even at the time we are in sorrow. We celebrate even at the time that our hearts are broken. We have every reason to come to our God and celebrate. We are a people who celebrate. We are identified by that as God's people, a people of celebration. Even as we look forward to the second coming of our Savior Jesus Christ, we celebrate. But the prophet Isaiah, tonight in our text, he reveals to us another aspect, another feature of God's people. We are a people who celebrates, but also we are a people who waits upon the Lord. We celebrate and we wait. Notice verse 4. From of old to from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you. Now listen to this. Who acts for those who wait for him. This is who we are. 
We are a very unique people, unlike other people whose God is not the God of the Bible, whose God is not the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are very unique people, very different people. We celebrate, but we also wait upon our God. And why do we wait for Him? Because He acts for us. He acts for those who wait for Him. Now maybe some of your mind is saying, wait a minute. I thought it is us, His people, who work for Him who serve him, not God. In a sense, that is true. In a general way, that is true. But remember this tonight. God's greatness is not more magnified by him gathering people who would serve him, who would work for him. But his greatness is more uh, magnified by God, by Him acting for His people. Read the Old Testament, read the New Testament, study the Scripture carefully. What you will find in the Scripture is a God who acts for His people. A God who works for His people. For example, in the book of Acts, Acts 17, 25. This is what we read. God is not served by human hands. Although he needed anything, but he himself gives to all men life, breath, and everything. Who is serving who? God is serving his people. God is working for his people. And take deep breaths here and think about it carefully. Yes, we serve God. Yes, we worship God. But all our service, all our work for God is dependable on Him working for us. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to give Strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. His eyes is upon his people to give them strong support. You see, to work for them, to act for them. Do we feel weak tonight, individually and as a church? Do we feel discouraged tonight? Individually, but also collectively. We need to come to this God who works for us. We need to come to this God who acts on our behalf, who acts for us. Psalm 50, 15, I think makes this very clear for us. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. First he acts. First he hears and then he delivers and then we glorify him. We worship him. We serve him. 
But our service is dependable on His service, on His work, on Him acting for us. Listen, if everything that we needed in this life was provided by our own work or other people's work, then my preaching tonight would be very, very different. I would preach you. And I would preach other people. But I preach Christ, I preach God, the God of the Bible, because everything that we have in this life, our physical life, our spiritual life, our possessions, everything that we need in this life comes from Him. He works for us. He acts for us. Isn't that Paul tells us in Romans eleven thirty six? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Everything comes from His fatherly hand. There are two important lessons that I want us to learn tonight from our text about our God and about who we are. As my third point. But the two will be the uniqueness of God. Do you know our God is very unique? He's very different. Isaiah says about this God, no one is beside you. No one is like you. So first I want us to consider the uniqueness of our God. And then God's competence in Working for us. His ability. His perfection. As he works for us. And then I want us to ask this question. What does to wait upon the Lord mean? What does it mean? What does God works for those who wait for him means? What does that mean? What is waiting upon the Lord mean? First, I want us to consider the uniqueness of God. The fact that God is unique. God is different from other gods. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you. Now ask this question, why? Because there is none. There is, no, there is none. No one is like our God. And the uniqueness of the God of the Bible is that he, he doesn't ask his people to work for him, but he works for them. One of the problems with the people of Israel and God warns the people of Israel over and over again. That problem with the people of Israel was running to other gods, false gods, idols. But they ran to them in order to work for them. You remember what we Study together in Isaiah 46. 
Isaiah 46, 1 to 4, where the people of Israel were admonished by God for running to other gods. But notice what Isaiah does here. Isaiah 46, 1 to 4. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are home as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. What is Isaiah doing here? He's contrasting the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, with the other false gods. Especially the God of Egypt, Baal and Nebo, the God of Mercury. And Isaiah is telling the people of Israel, listen, these gods to whom you run, in whom you take refuge, they're actually a burden to you. You carry them, they don't carry you, but the God of Israel carries you. He's not a burden to you. He's your helper. He upholds you. He helps you. But these false gods, you carry them. They are a burden to you. But our God is a very unique God. He's very different. In Isaiah 30, verse 18. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Again, Isaiah reveals this Truth to us. Listen to what he said. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And how did God show his mercy to us? By coming down to us by taking human flesh. The Lord shows His mercy to us. He showed His mercy to us by humbling Himself to the point of becoming a man like us. But the other gods, they don't do that. Our God is very unique, Isaiah is saying. And then we also consider the, the uh, competence of our God in working for His people. Let me ask you this. Do you want a God who is not competent? Who wants a God like that? that, like that? We are not competent, but our God is competent. And do you know why we are not competent? Because of our motive. Our zeal is not always there. You know, when, when you work for a company, the company doesn't belong to you, you're just an employee, 
how zealous you would become to work for the company. You see, most uh, employees, most workers would think about their salary, the end of the month, or two weeks where they are paid. No zeal, maybe zero zeal, because the company doesn't belong to you. God's zeal is not like that. He's zealous, always, always zealous for his people. Remember Jesus cleansing the temple in Jerusalem. What caused that cleansing? His zeal for the house of his father. We are not zealous like God, so we are not competent. Secondly, we lack wisdom. You and I lack wisdom. Other people lack wisdom even if they want to help us. They will not help us the, the way or in a manner that God would help us. We lack wisdom. But our God always knows everything. Isaiah 40. The prophet Isaiah reveals this to us very clearly in Isaiah 40. Verse 12 to 18. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. And marked off the heavens with the span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows his counsel? Whom did he counsel? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding. No one. He's very unique. He doesn't depend on us. He is the only source of all wisdom and understanding. This is our God. And then thirdly, you see, we are not competent because we do not have enough strength in ourselves. But God is all-powerful. God, the psalmist said, can do whatever pleases him to do. So, our God is competent. Our God is sufficient. Our God is all-wise, all-powerful. Very unique God. And this God Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ works for us. And then thirdly, we see him doing this for those who wait for him. Now, again, let me ask this question. What does it mean? What does waiting for God mean? Because Isaiah is telling us God works for those who wait for him. So what is this waiting? What does it mean? The first thing I want us to know is this. The first meaning is God works for those who trust Him. For those who always trust Him. For those who keep trusting Him. To wait upon the Lord means to keep 
trusting in Him, to keep trusting in His promises all the time. You don't go to other help, to other gods for refuge. Even today, you know, we might say, you know, we don't, we don't really uh, carve our own idols and put them on the walls of our homes and worship them. Uh, we're not like the Muslims. Uh, we're not like the Hindus. We're not like the Mormons. You know, we're Christians. Um, this doesn't apply to us. It applies to us. Because uh, especially today in America, we have this God that we call the God of self-expression. The God of self-expression. Don't touch me. Don't interrupt in my life. I can live my life the way I want to live my life. A man says, I can be a woman. A woman says, let me be a man. Don't stop me from doing that. The God of self-expression. An idol. And people worship that. People think that will satisfy them. As God would satisfy them. But you and I are called to trust our God. To trust our God under any circumstances. Because he acts for us. He works for us. So first, to wait upon God, upon the Lord, means to trust him. And consult him in prayer. You don't just trust and sit and do nothing, but you pray. You ask God to give you wisdom, to consult you by his word and spirit. And then secondly, waiting upon the Lord means sometimes God says to you and I, stop, wait, I will act for you. I will do it for you. You just need to trust me. It's like what God told the people of Israel. Pharaoh and his troops were about to um, capture them at the Red Sea. And God told Moses, tell the people to be still and wait upon me. I'm going to act on behalf of my people. Just watch. Do nothing. Be still. Be quiet. In the book of Isaiah, I don't know how many of you remember, we studied. Our salvation, our comfort, our restoration will, uh, will depend on you and I uh, be, being quiet. In rest and quietness will be your joy. And here to wait for God, to wait upon the Lord means to do nothing, to just wait for him to act on your behalf. And then thirdly, to wait upon the Lord means there are times that God says to us, stand and act. This is the way, do this. 
You know, it becomes very clear for us from His Word, through the Spirit, through the preaching of the Word of God. It's time to stand and act, but even then we wait upon the Lord. We don't act independently, but we act depending on our God. In Psalm 27, the psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, they were in, the, in, in, they were in battle. They were fighting. And yet they said, Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we, the people of God, we trust in the Lord our God. They were acting. They were doing things. They were fighting. They were um, performing things because God told them to stand and act. And we see that in the book of Isaiah. But them acting was not done without God's help. Without the people waiting upon the Lord. So, beloved, Isaiah is teaching us three important lessons tonight. Waiting for God means to seek his counsel. And we seek his counsel by pausing to pray at crucial times, crucial points of our life. It could be family issue. It could be the issue of the church. Whatever the issue is, we seek God's counsel. How do we do that? Through prayer. Secondly, if he says, be still, I will do this for you. We trust him and wait. It's hard. But it should be done. Because God works for those who wait for him. God doesn't act for those who take his place and try to do what God only God what only God can do. And then thirdly, when God says, "Okay, go, move, act." In that very moment we still wait for him and upon him. We trust him. So listen to Isaiah once again. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, we do have many needs Many, many needs, many, many concerns. Let us wait for our God. Because our God acts for his people. And let us wait for God the way Isaiah told us tonight. To wait for our God. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, 
Help each and every one of us now individually, but also as your church, to celebrate your goodness in us, for us, among us, but also to wait for you. Because you are God, you act for those who wait for you. But wait for you by trusting you, by praying to you, by waiting only from you. Waiting only for you. Help us to be those kinds of believers and that kind of church. We pray all these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand together.